Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 2, Under the Influence. Mary, what happened this week? The gang throws a baby shower for baby Hannah, and Donna basically bought her a store. Andrea and Jesse tour a daycare center at CU where Hannah will stay while Andrea and Jesse have classes and work and stuff. Jesse is nervous about adjusting to another new routine, but Andrea encourages him and says they're getting pretty good at it. Andrea goes to drop Hannah off for her first day and is not encouraged when the person checking her in writes her name wrong. She's beginning to catch on to Jesse's fears of leaving their kid in the care of strangers. The lady who gave Andrea and Jesse the tour in an attempt to soothe her, I guess, makes her feel like she won't be here for all of her baby's firsts. Like, Andrea, you get to take her home with you. You'll get to see her every morning and every night and every other day for the rest of her life. Please stop freaking out. Anyway, she couldn't hear me yelling through my screen, so she <laughs> didn't drop Hannah off at daycare and is calling Jesse instead of registering for classes. Other than all that, she looks amazing and I love her hair. I do love her hair. Yeah, we finally landed on like, which is so weird because later in the episode, I write down what is with all the weird hair this season, but hers <laughs> is not one of them. Yeah, no, I feel like they let, they finally let everybody change their hair this season and she went through a good phase and everyone else was like, I just want something drastic, but like maybe not the right choice. Well, and I think too, it's because like last season, I think Andrea went mom hair. So it's like she finally got it to grow out some and do what she wants. Whereas the others were like, I got to get weird hair. And they do. Yeah. I mean, like I've noticed it less so far this season, but Andrea in the last couple seasons has been more and more mom. Mm -hmm. And it's weird that like she finally becomes a mom and now we're like, oh, she's a cool mom. <laughs> yeah. She's not a regular mom. She's a cool mom. Is yeah, I mean, I guess we can get into it because they start throwing her this baby shower and like, I guess, you know, speaking of weird things, like Donna starts buying this baby like a bunch of party dresses. <laughs> like, did you see the pink dress was like a little weird. Like, when are you ever going to put her in that? She's going to outgrow it before she has a reason to wear it. Yeah, that was kind of my thing. I was like, Donna, you sweet baby angel. You're wonderful and buying your friends so many different pieces of clothing, but this is a newborn. <laughs> right? I feel like she was like, I got debutante gowns. We'll get Hannah debutante gowns. She won't debut for another 16 years, but why not start now? <laughs> you can model her 16-year-old Deb gown oh on gosh. this one baby gown I bought her. <laughs> Which, like, under normal circumstances, I feel like Donna would buy amazingly adorable stuff, but, like, I didn't like the pink dress. I got to be honest. Yeah, totally. It it was also funny how, like, she seemed to be the only one that really got gifts because they just didn't tell us, really, which also seems on brand that, like, Brandon and Kelly would end up getting her, like, a hand-me-down of some sort from baby Aaron, and then, like, David wouldn't know what to buy a baby, even though he has baby Aaron as a sister. So he'd just show, which I don't think he wasn't even there. He didn't show up. So he didn't even show up. So he got out of getting them a gift. And then who else was there? Valerie's new. So she wouldn't get anything. So really it was up to Donna. 
Right? Like, I imagine Steve would have just, like, handed them an envelope of cash. Right. Oh, totally. A hundred percent. And I totally forgot about Steve, which is kind of the theme for this whole episode. (laughs) It's kind of the theme of Steve. I know. I hate it. And it still reminds me of last week when when Nate literally said, is he the best character? (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, kind of, but, like. It's a no. weird. It's a <laughs> yeah. dynamic. It's a thing. You want to love Steve, but you just can't. Exactly. Man, but I will say also in this baby shower like Jesse gives the sickest burn slash like truth telling of the whole episode when he's like, "Hey Brandon, smart move losing the beard." <laughs> I was so happy. Literally, I wrote opening on a baby shower, Brandon shaved his face. Thank God. And like, everybody said amen. <laughs> sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah, I love them being like, Kelly, it was you, right? And she was like, no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. But also, it probably wasn't because everybody was probably thinking it. And Jesse was just like, I'm going to admit it. It was a good move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was such a good move. Yep. But yeah, I mean, they're having this whole baby shower for baby Hannah. And they're talking about how it's about time to go back to school which means it's also time to go back to school for Andrea and Jesse, mm-hmm. which like we see the next time we see them, it means it's time for them to find a daycare for Hannah. Which the reason for the daycare is because obviously, um, you know, Andrea's parents aren't really in the picture, but even if they were, they're not available. Jesse's parents are apparently not available. Grandma Rose can't take it on because she's a grandma. And why would you want to take on a newborn as a grandma? So that, again, just points to how, like, how wild it must be to juggle having a child while being a full-time student. Um, And, you know, I think about my college career, and it's not like each semester was that time-consuming with classes, because you think about it, it's like 15 hours a week. It's not 40 hours. It's not like she has a job, too, but... What if she has to get a job because she has to have some sort of income? I mean, Jesse is bartending, but maybe Andrea needs to get a job too. Yeah, I think it's kind of amazing that they make the comment that the daycare is free because it's through the School of Education. Like, Mm -hmm. nobody gets that. I know. And I was just thinking about that. Like, I don't know. I know UGA had a, um, like – what's it called, child and family services or or something like that on campus. But I don't know if that was daycare and I don't know if it was free daycare. I doubt it was. Well, and, you know, when we first see them touring the daycare, like Andrea is so knowledgeable. She knows their hours. Like she thinks it's this amazing opportunity. And they kind of play it off to be like, not only is this a free daycare, this is a good free daycare. Yeah. And it's immediately apparent that like Andrea is fully on board but Jesse's like, yeah, but there's a baby crying over there. It's like, bruh, babies cry. That's what they do. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I feel like I need to put an asterisk on any opinion I have with their story because, like, I don't know babies. I just don't. It's not a thing that has ever truly been in my life. But Jesse calls the daycare so institutional. And I was like, it's, it's a daycare. Yeah, I wasn't 100% certain, like, what he meant by that you know because I've I've heard things like oh marriage is an institution you know things (laughs) like that but like what did he mean by it is is it politicized is is it (laughs) 
And he points out the baby crying. And I was like, oh, you mean the baby that is currently being nurtured by a, a daycare worker? Yeah, it would have it would have landed better if the baby was like in a playpen by itself or something. Yeah, just sitting there. Yeah. Because even Andrea was like trying to explain like, well, it could have been literally all of these different things that we deal with with Hannah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's being taken care of. Like, y'all are fine. Babies cry. Just let the baby cry. And I do wonder, like, what was the point of, I guess, showing the two sides to daycare? Because they clearly show some of the pros and cons as it affects um, Andrea and Jesse, but they don't really show the effects, or I guess the pros and cons as it affects Hannah and as it affects the fact that they're college students. Like, I think it was more, they were talking about daycare in terms of, should we do it, period? Not just, should we do it because we don't have other options? Should we do it because we're 19, 20 years old? Or Jesse's older, but you know what I mean. You know, it's more like, in general, less about their current situation. Yeah. No, I still think that they don't entirely know what to do with Andrea. And I appreciate that they're saying, like, you know, childcare is a real thing that you're going to have to deal with when you have a kid. But you know, they they have this whole motion. She goes back the, you know, the day of registration to drop her off. The child care worker calls her Anna and then says Hannah Vasquez instead of Hannah Zuckerman Vasquez, which is like Andrea's first thing. And then, yeah, that other healthcare worker comes in and is like, oh, yeah, she's going to crawl here. She's going to say her first words here. You're going to miss everything. And then I guess Andrea decides to just like, pull her out in general and is like no we'll figure it out we're gonna be the ones taking care of her and I'm like but why but how like you're 19 you know Mm -hmm. it was more the how not the why because like I totally understand like you know some parents just don't want their kid raised in daycare and and then conversely like Nate was in daycare at six weeks old so like (laughs) you know not every mom or dad can be a stay-at-home parent and not every um parent wants to go back to work like it's just it has to work out for whatever situation you're in and whatever you prefer but at the same time it's like they're not addressing the how part of this they're but they're clearly addressing the why like I totally get that aspect but it's like we need to be a little bit more realistic about the situation here because right now this feels unrealistic yeah I'm gonna be very interested to see this you know struggle that goes on because not only is Jesse a full-time law student he's the one that's you know making money he has yeah. the job working as a bartender so he has bartender hours right and then you know Andrea is pre-med so assuming she's still trying to take a full course load that's hard exactly and I guess like they'd have to hire a babysitter but at that point you're paying for a service that you could get for, for I don't know. Anyway, well, we're talking entirely too much about the daycare situation. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, like, all in all, they decide not to do it. We have no idea what they're going to do. And, you know, again, that little asterisk on my opinions, like, I have no idea how you make these decisions. Totally. So, I mean, yeah, I guess Andrea's story from here on out is just baby because even Jesse gets more of a story than Andrea does. Especially in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll get there when we get there. So 
Mary, let's talk about somebody else. After several minutes of L.A. B-roll, we end up at the Walsh house. Cindy's looking at classes, and Valerie needs something West Coast to wear to Donna's gala fundraiser thing. She tells Cindy she doesn't want to be a burden when Cindy offers to take her shopping. Cindy assures her she isn't. Anyway, she gets a sparkly dress to hold while she talks to Brandon in her panties later. Even later than that, she puts the dress on to dance with Steve. She thought Dylan was dashing after his meltdown at the gala and guesses Steve, or oh, and she figures that Steve asked Brandon to tell her that he's a good guy and a good friend. She packs a joint in her cigarette box to go to registration day with Steve. I am so fascinated by Valerie of this idea that like she's still playing the good girl with most people, but then she's showing up almost completely naked with Brandon. And then like she's packing this joint in the cigarette box, which means she smokes cigarettes, which means everyone on Beverly Hills 90210 is going to be like, oh, she's a bad girl. (laughs) Yeah. No, 100%. And like this is the first like chink in the armor, I guess you could say, because obviously the viewer saw the quote-unquote bad girl tendencies or realities of who Valerie is in the in the previous episode with her rolling said joint and talking to Ginger. But now the the characters are starting to get clued in on this, particularly just Brandon at this point. And so he, yeah, he gets to see her in her panties and is visibly... I don't know. He looked very much like Ross in Friends. Like anytime he sees Rachel, he was just like a <laughs> like mouth I mean, agape. <laughs> yeah, like don't get me wrong. I love the innocence that Valerie is playing. Like she plays Cindy like a violin. Oh, totally. The idea that she's like, oh, I need something to wear tonight, and Cindy's like, oh, just go into Brenda's clothes, which is, I think, our first Brenda mention. Yep. Yep. Of 45. (laughs) I wish we had a little like sound effect for like ding to like signify first Brenda mention. (laughs) I feel like I want to find one of just Brenda. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Brenda. Cindy is like, oh, just go into Brenda's closet and find one. And Valerie's like, oh my God, a size two? I could never. Which I wasn't sure if it was because it was too small or too big because homie, your waist is also tiny because we can see Uh, it in your crop top. (laughs) That's honestly, I was thinking it's just like the chesticles region. The chestal region, yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, yeah, like I wear children sizes (laughs) because of We are all three children. (laughs) But, yeah, like – Valerie is just like, oh, my God, I could never fit into a size two. And so Cindy gives her her credit card and she immediately goes to Rodeo Drive and spends $300 on this sparkly dress, which like adorbs. Love it. I also appreciate Jim being like, "Uh, we let this girl live in our house free of rent and she spent $300. But also Cindy's realization of, Jim, that's just how much things cost. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like. Where we have gone from season one, Cindy, to season five, Cindy, is right? a journey. It, it Like, 
let's think about this for a moment because now I feel like we have to identify and cat like catalog Cindy's growth. It has been a sneaky little growth journey from the one who just wanted to plant plants and pinch pennies to I recycle, I go to college. Jim, that's just how much things are. Cindy. I, it's not perfect, but I feel like the Mind Gym and the Juice Bar really made California Cindy happen. That was the catalyst to super, like, Beverly Hills Cindy. No, I I think that's exactly what happened. But, like, Valerie buys this dress. She spends all this money on it. And then while Brandon is on the phone with Kelly later, she just walks into the bathroom in her panties and heels yep. to go to his sink to, like, futz around. Yeah. Like, what was she doing? Like, she was just like, oh, my dress material is is so dressy like <laughs> like she didn't know what to do with herself because there wasn't anything to do there the point was to make Brandon notice and that's the thing she makes that comment of like oh I spilled makeup on my dress which you know if you're talking to a boy he's not gonna know anything yeah but me sitting over here is like what did you spill on it if it's foundation water is not gonna work if it's eyeshadow you can get it off yeah like exactly what? I don't believe you also like spilled was the word I got hung up on like spilled wouldn't be the word I, I I would use I don't know what word I would use but like spilled implies it was like a liquid form in a bottle of some sort that tipped over <laughs> yeah like I'm literally picturing that she had like liquid foundation and like put it on a sponge or whatever and it's like putting it on her face and then just like rolled the sponge down her dress right right oh my gosh and yeah, Brayden is just like, uh, 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 mm -hmm. I didn't notice because of the landscape or whatever he says. Because yeah, it's just that he's like super flustered by her and she's like, you know, playing her own innocent I'm from Buffalo thing, which like, <laughs> keeps getting me. Like people from Buffalo are not just like, oh my God, I didn't know I was naked. Yeah, it's like they're treating Buffalo like it was Amish country or something. Yeah. So funny. And later, yeah. like, this is the point where Val, yeah, like, we know what she's doing. She knows what she's doing. And now Brandon is picking up on, like, oh, there's this facade that is no longer, like, you know, you're not some buffalo girl. You're not Amish. <laughs> and because then the next time we see her, she's just, like, <laughs> holding a bowl of cherries. <laughs> I know. And she's, like, in that short little robe, and, like, you kind of get the inclination there's nothing under the robe. Right. Like, I got to be honest, I'm kind of looking forward to a scene where Brandon is just like, you guys don't understand. She's doing this to me. And everyone's just like, no, she's not, Brandon. She's from Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're definitely going to have a Brandon freak out, a Brandon classic like rage you know going full Brandon on what a quote-unquote bad girl Valerie is and everybody's like she can't possibly be bad she's from Buffalo <laughs> but yeah she like comes into his room with these cherries and she's like hey Brandon want a snack 
you know, whatever she says. Yeah, it's like, girl, you're the snack. And then she talks about how Dylan was so attractive to her. And then Brandon makes it weird and is just like, let's just say Dylan's an alcoholic and that's all I want to say. <laughs> yeah, I just have to say one thing. He's an, al- he's an alcoholic and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> right, he's just like so weird about it. And then she makes some comment about Steve and Brandon's like, Steve's a really nice guy. And Valerie is like, I know he told you to say that. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, he did. Which. Yeah. Good looking out, Brandon. <laughs> well, and then the next day, Steve shows up to pick up Valerie. And I swear Cindy is in on it because she's like, I'm going to be on campus if you want to ride. Brandon's going to be here if you want him to take you and not Steve. Yeah, that was like a little weird and too on the nose, like for Cindy to even know about, because it did feel like she was like, I'll get you out of this. Don't you worry. I feel like it's Cindy spending one semester on campus in her like psychology classes. She's picking up vibes and not wanting to embarrass anyone or you know, put anyone on spotlight or something. Which truly does feel like a Cindy thing, so I'm totally for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Valerie, you know, playing her role is just, you know, making all these comments like, oh my God, what a California girl wants, her own chauffeur. Right, exactly. She's keeping up that good girl appeal and the newness to California and Obviously, she knows that Steve loves that, right? Because he gets to be the the one to introduce her to what the real California is like. Or like, you know, he gets to be the the expert or whatever. And so he's eating it up. Yeah. And I mean, like she said last episode, he probably gives good credit card. Yeah. So like she's going to put up with this to his face. And it's going to be a question of like who she shows her real self to because – Even with Brandon, where she's like, oh, he told you to say that. Like, she didn't say it like, oh, he told you to say that. Right. So, yeah, Valerie is just, like, playing everyone. But I feel like the Walshes are, like, very slowly picking it up. But I also feel like Jim is not going to notice it. It's like. Quite yet. Yeah, because it's like Jim notices the expensive dress, but. He's just literally thinking about the dollars, not like this means she's hustling us. It, you know, it means whatever. Yeah, he's going to be like the last one to figure it out. And Cindy and Brandon are going to like figure it out, talk about it to each other and tell Jim. He's going to be like, wait, what? (laughs) No, I totally think it's like I think Brandon's going to figure it out first. I think Cindy is going to figure it out second because, like, I don't think she starts picking up on things until the very end of the episode, but maybe she's picking up on the wrong things. Yeah. But then, yeah, Jim is going to be dead last because he's too focused on the bottom line. Totally. Yeah. Valerie, our our new bad girl. Valerie. That's all I can ever think about. (laughs) I mean, it works. (laughs) Mary, what else happened? I also wrote a thing about Brandon shaving his face, and I wrote, thank God Brandon shaved his face. For reals. Josh Richland asks Brandon to be his VP for student government. There's a vacancy because Josh Richland also exposed the last students-in-chief 
for stealing money to furnish their shared apartment. Brandon doesn't want to. But what does Brandon want to do that's not buy car, meet the president, be right, kiss hot girl, and lie? Anyway, he says nah. He has better things to do and they're all Kelly. How convenient that she's on the phone with for him right now. Less convenient that she's calling to tell him that Dylan's in town. Brandon and Kelly discuss how they're going to break the news to him that they're dating. Brandon decides he should tell Dylan alone because he knows so much. <laughs> anyway, he goes to Dylan's house and Dylan's drunk and trying to get Brandon to drink with him. Dylan talks about how much he misses Kelly and Brandon chickens out of confessing the truth. A whole mess happens, but we'll get there. At registration day, Brandon decides to take up Richland on his offer to run for student government. Also, hey, Claire. Oh, my gosh. I... We'll get to Claire when we get to Claire. I'm not ready for her. I'm I like I'm ready, but also not ready at the same time. Like I feel I feel like it's Christmas morning. <laughs> I was so excited. And she has like a cute little haircut going on, but we have to talk about Josh Richland first. Yes, because the, he's the second person in this episode to or I guess I'm gonna say he's one of four characters that resurface in this episode that have once had you know certain arcs and so just in the order that we've been going in uh josh is the first and yeah he called brandon for this urgent matter and he's got to talk to him about student government okay so yeah i love that he shows up to the walsh's and presumably the whole time that we're with valerie in the kitchen he is making this pitch about student government and like, we finally find out Josh wants Brandon to run as his VP. And then Brandon makes a comment about Josh's sleazy expose when the expose is that the current president was embezzling. And I'm like, how is that a sleazy expose? And how is that, like, on Josh? <laughs> and Brandon says that it was self-serving. Right. I was like, what is happening in in what way <laughs> yeah it doesn't make any sense whatsoever but i do love there is a name um mentioned i don't remember if it was the president or the or i guess the vp or somebody else that they were talking about but the name was buffy moneymaker did you guys oh, hear that <laughs> oh my gosh who said that oh kelly. that was kelly saying that later yeah and i yeah. loved it i wrote it down with zero context <laughs> I mean it's perfect. Yeah. And but I mean like, you know, Brandon's whole thing of not wanting to run with Josh is that he is self-serving by finding out that the president is embezzling funds and then <laughs> deciding that like that's the time to run, which is not self-serving because we knew last season that Josh intended to run eventually. Right. And he wanted Brandon then and Brandon was like, "Nah, bro, I kind of hate you." <laughs> yeah, and then Brandon makes another comment about how the Greeks published every candidate's SAT scores. And I'm like, so? And also, what does that have to do? I guess it was because the Greeks ran too, but like, yeah, it, it was all just to get out some scandals that's been happening at CEU. That was the point. Oh, well, and like, <laughs> no offense, but leave it to adult writers. To give right. a shit about SAT scores. Like, if I was 18 
and someone was running for student body president, which like I'm sure happened at both colleges I went to and I never paid any attention to it. But if it came out like they only got a 1090 on their SATs, I'd be like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Give me some context here. Also, like that literally doesn't matter once you like get accepted to a college. <laughs> right. I was like, okay. It would have been their- like better if it had been like release the GPA of everybody or something. Cause that yeah, really matters. Like, academic record of any time they've gotten in trouble or something. Yeah. Like I would literally not care unless it was Steve Sanders running for office and they were like, oh, have we mentioned how many times he's gotten in trouble for stealing, changing grades, whatever? Like then I would care. Which also makes me remember, is Steve still taking like astrophysics or whatever he was super (laughs) smart in? Remember that? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I do remember and I don't know. I mean, presumably not, right? But, like, what was his grade? Right. Because wasn't it something like astrophysics? I think it was. Yeah. Didn't he cheat on his math placement test? That's what it was. (laughs) Yes. He cheated on his math placement test. He got into astrophysics. And then we never heard about it again because the only other thing we heard about Steve for that, like, entire semester was when he stole the baseball. Right. Because no one cares about Steve. (laughs) I know. Don't worry about plot holes with Steve. Just roll with it. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, like, going back to Brandon's storyline, you know, this is when Kelly calls and Josh makes the comment of, like, oh, your fake girlfriend? And then he's like, hey, babe. Yeah, actually, is my fake girlfriend turned real girlfriend? Let me tell that to you by saying the word babe. Right. He never actually clears this up, and I feel like Josh should still be like, Maybe you shouldn't be my running mate when you're faking a girlfriend. Yeah. Kelly calls. She interrupts this thing. You know, Josh leaves. We don't hear about Josh again for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess I have a couple comments about Brandon that kind of like link in with Kelly and don't really affect the what I think is the main plot of the story. Would right? you consider that Donna or Dylan? I guess both. Yeah. Because there's, like, some tangential stuff. Like, she calls Brandon to tell him that Dylan's back in town. Then she has to get off the phone. And then the next time we see the two of them, they're together in the beach apartment. And she's making a sandwich talking about what happened with her and Donna, and we'll get there later. Mm Mm-hmm. But then Brandon makes a comment about her sandwich and how much she's eating. He's like, didn't they feed you at this thing? And once again, I am reminded that we just drop storylines. Well, and also that there's a very unhealthy obsession with food and weight across the board, whether it's some of the characters literally having an eating disorder or another character making another character feel bad about whatever habits they're, you know, they're doing. Because, like, I was thinking about it, and there's so many different shows. Because once this happened, I was like, is this just a 90s thing, or is this current? Because I started, like, I was listening to or watching some other shows that are current, and there have been still been some comments about that. It's like there's – it becomes a plot point. 
which is very strange because it's not a major plot point, but it becomes a, a thing of, to focus on. It's kind of like, you know, how in The Flash, how every time Barry takes uh, John Diggle and makes him run fast, <laughs> John Diggle always throws up afterwards. It's it's not a plot point, but it has become one. But it's and, like a thing. And it's a thing, yeah. And so, like, that's a bad, like, analogy because one's hilarious, the other's bad. But, like, it's just become this thing. And I feel like a lot of shows do that. And I have no idea why. Why does it matter? I mean, personally, I hate when people comment on how much or how little I've eaten. It is a literal thing that embarrasses me to my core when somebody, especially my husband, who still to this day does it and doesn't realize that I'm being serious, when he's like, oh, babe, are you not hungry? I'm like, can you not? Can you not? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, I mean, it's very layered. There's like societal expectations and stuff. Because I remember like there were a lot of times that like until I learned you know, my own awareness. And I still feel it to this day of like, if other people around me aren't eating and I'm hungry and eating, I feel self-conscious of like, well, why am I eating? Because like, mm -hmm. there are all these expectations that show up in Hollywood all over the place. Like, you know, you talked about Arrowverse. Think of, you know, the times in Supergirl where they make comments about how Kara can eat whatever and not gain any weight. Like, yeah. Why would you do that? Right. Right. And then conversely, in the in the flash like while we're on arrowverse because this is actually a good analogy barry has to eat like four thousand calories i don't think that's the right number but like a billion calories a day but it's to maintain his physique and be strong and be the flash whereas Kara, it's like talked about as though she it's all about how little she is right it's not about how strong she can be it's how it's how like she can maintain her figure yeah, it's not the idea that her being a super also burns a ton of calories and needs them. It's only that Barry needs the calories. Bakara can eat whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's which, and now I kind of hate it, but I like Kara has a huge love of pot stickers, and that's a thing. And nobody really comments on it in, in a bad way, but it's a constant plot point, and I love that for her. But now I'm like, well, crap, it's like a little tainted because now I'm thinking of it in terms of a of an unhealthy reliance on food whereas in other ways it's treated like it's necessary and it's fuel not just gorging on food right and like to be fair kelly made a sandwich right like it's not <laughs> even like she loaded her plate up with anything she made a sandwich with some slivers of pickle like that's dinner yeah, right. That's a meal. That's, oh my gosh, yeah. No, and, and like I had originally written it down because I was like, oh, Brandon said a thing and I hate Brandon. But now <laughs> I'm just like, oh, wait, this is like a sexist thing that bleeds into the veins of every other pop culture reference I can think of. Yeah, no, it's true. And and it's just, it sucks that it's still happening. It may not to be to like to this degree, it's more subtle now yeah, is and, the thing, I think. And maybe that's worse. Oh, I think you know? it is. Like, Truly. maybe that's bad that they're like, oh, we just got to sneak in this little dig. This, this, and the this thing is, dig. like, you know, as a woman who has, like, felt very self-conscious about her eating in the past, as soon as Brandon said it, she put the food down. She didn't eat it again. And then, like, you know, he makes a comment about how, like, 
her opinions about Donna are blah, 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 whatever. We'll get there when we get there. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I think it's weird because Dylan's here and I feel like I'm in this triangle again. And then after they finish talking, she climbs on top of him. Yeah. And I was like, no, he just like insulted you. And you're just like, oh, let's make out. Well, and I think that's such a um, such an important point because in Kelly's mind, she's probably thinking, oh, to keep him happy, I can't – it's not that she can't eat. It's that she eats, like – I don't know. I, I Like, it's hard to make this point, but it's basically like she's thinking, oh, he's he's telling me this because he loves me. And so, therefore, I need to, like, reaffirm my love for him by, like, being physical when it's, like, so so not the point, but it's totally understandable that she would think that way. Like, it sucks, but I get how she can think like that. Right. And, like, I don't want to get us so derailed on a sandwich because, like, it's real, but I feel like there's just a lot that was intentionally in this episode, but I do want to say that this episode was written and directed by men. Well, yes, as they most always are. I mean, (laughs) yes, like that shouldn't even, it should just be a known entity of like, I'll tell you when it's not kind of a thing. Yeah, true. But yeah, like there are several comments in this episode that make it very painfully clear this is written and directed by men. Because even the next thing that we see with Brandon after this whole Kelly thing in the sandwich is he goes to see Dylan. Mm -hmm. And Dylan is, you know, showing him his motorcycle. He's talking about Kelly. He's drinking a beer. Brandon makes this comment, tell me you're fine and I won't say a thing about it, which, like, I understand. I see this, like, discomfort that Brandon's having. But then – So Dylan makes a comment about how he and Kelly didn't work because of Brenda. And then Brandon says that Brenda called, which is probably our fourth Brenda reference in chronological order. Mm -hmm. And the first thing she did was hit dad up for money. Which is kind of on brand. (laughs) But like, it's weird that like two scenes in a row you have Brandon being like oh my god you're eating again and then Brenda asks for money right 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 yeah well I mean that yeah it's like classic Brandon he can't just accept you know a woman's right to do what they want he just it it all has to go through him almost like it doesn't literally but it's almost like he feels left out if he's not getting attention and well because Brenda's getting money so she can be in London. It's like Paris all over again. <laughs> and he has to nick. He yeah. has to bring other people down to lift himself up. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, like, the whole thing was to kind of address Dylan's drinking and how Dylan is doing and et cetera, et cetera. But it has to be framed in the sense of Brenda asked for money, then she asked for you. Right, which then puts a different priority over, like, what Brenda is thinking about, which comes from Brandon, not Brenda, 
you know, like she's probably, yeah, she probably is thinking about herself right now because her livelihood is in London and she needs money like that. Whatever. That's besides the point. I think I just had an epiphany too. Like Brandon makes a comment about Kelly's eating. She stops doing the thing. Brandon goes to Dylan doesn't want to comment on Dylan's drinking except for the fact that he allows Dylan to tell him whether he's okay or not not giving Kelly the choice to like eat or not like not giving her her own like uh what's the word um what's the word agency yes to to decide what she wants to do right but he's he's allowed Dylan to be like you tell me if you're cool or not not Kelly. Kelly can't choose for herself. Brandon has to choose for Kelly. That's interesting. And I kind like, I hate it, but I kind of love it. Like, that's an epiphany. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's, he's allowing Dylan, which this is a literal, like, life or death situation here because we know Dylan's severe dependency on alcohol and literally life or death because Brandon's witnessed it. Because of the whole camping trip. But he's still like, you tell me, Dylan, are you good? And I'll trust you. But then with Kelly, he's like, I don't trust you, so I'm going to tell you what to do with that. Or not. Which could, like, also have been life or death because he's seen Kelly in the hospital. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. No. You you just, like, blew my mind. (laughs) I can do that sometimes. (laughs) I just feel like snaps for Caitlin or Hey. Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things, like, I didn't notice it during the episode, but now that we're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, you know, this is, this sucks. And I hope it was a mistake and not going to be a continuous thing because I hope it is a matter of circumstance and, you know, it's the exception, not the rule. Yeah, I mean, I feel very confident, unfortunately, that it is a mistake and Mm -hmm. they just, like, glossed over this thing and... You know, it's this idea of, like, as time goes on, you become more aware of these things. And, like, it's not glossed over. Like, I'm listening to this podcast called Death at the Wing, which is about, like, deaths that happened in basketball. Like, it's a very niche podcast. But out of the, like, eight episodes, the fifth episode is about mental health and how, like, athletes were not allowed to talk about mental health. And, like, how dare you talk about mental health? up until the late 80s, early 90s. And it's like, yeah, that would have been right around where this is, where it's Mm -hmm. like you need to acknowledge that these things are happening across the board and you need to be very careful with the way that you say things, the way that you impress, you know, kids watching TV. Right. Totally. That's so interesting. I just – I feel like it got missed, unfortunately. Yeah. (sighs) But to, you know, I guess kind of wrap it up and bring it back to the episode, like the next thing we see is Brandon is so flustered by seeing Dylan drinking, clearly knowing that he's in a, you know, he's in a bad way, Mm -hmm. which to be fair, is this show talking about, you know, mental health and addiction and alcoholism and all this stuff. And he tells Kelly, like, I already saw him in this position. I couldn't tell him about us. Yeah, it wasn't the right time. 
yeah, I mean, he makes a weird comment of like, oh, well, let's just go over there and tell him right now. Like, it gets a little weird, but. Well, it's classic Brandon, like, getting mad and then being sarcastic. He He's like an angry Chandler Bing with his comments. Like, because Chandler's super sarcastic, but he's funny. Brandon is mean. <laughs> It's it's definitely that time where you see that Friends is a thirty minute sitcom and Nine Hundred Two and I was an hour long drama. Yes, a hundred percent. Um, and yeah, I mean, like Brandon kind of intersects with a couple other people's storylines. Like he intersects with Donna's, he intersects with Dylan's, he intersects with Valerie's. I don't know that Brandon has truly another independent storyline i get of when claire shows up of course how could i forget god this was such a great reveal it it was a it made me feel better about the show in general when i'm like okay 90210 you're still smart you're smart enough to trick us i i loved she shows up and they're like oh my god you go here and she's like well yeah who else was gonna give me a full year of credit for my ap classes and then Kelly goes, you're a sophomore? Like, that matters in college. But also, like, it was, I think, a perfectly delivered line because the disbelief, you know? Like, she was like, wait, I know you. I know how old you are. And now you're going to be intertwined with our friend group <laughs> like it wasn't weird when david did it right and now it's like another one <laughs> <laughs> and then like brandon's walking with his little like course listing and she's like oh i think i'm gonna take these classes she's like this looks good and walks away she just I think she's the human form of the mic drop. <laughs> she's amazing. She's so good. I love her. I, I'm so excited to that she's like back. Cause I like I remembered she came back and I didn't want to tell you guys, but like I, I knew she was coming back, but I couldn't remember how she came back. And this was just it exceeded all my expectations. And I, I feel like this is the thing, you know, last episode we talked about how they kind of like jumped the gun. By making Tiffany Amber Thiessen, like, putting her in the credits. Yep. And this episode, they didn't. Like, I totally missed. I think I just didn't recognize Claire's name in the beginning credits. I mm -hmm. totally missed her. And so her showing up was a complete surprise to me. Totally. They, this is us, us. Um, yeah. So that was, like, Brandon's last. I mean, I mean, besides, like, then confirming to Richland that he is going to run with him. Which the only thing I want to comment on that is he goes to Richland, tells him he's going to run with him, and Richland's like, oh, yeah, you're going to do it? And Brandon's like, sound more excited. And Richland says, raw. Raw. Because <laughs> I had to rewind for a second because my brain, being who I am, automatically heard bra. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, bra, you're going to run with me? <laughs> Just. Ah, <laughs> just I want everyone to be that like teeny bit of a bro like I am. Well, and with Josh, it's like I want everyone to be semi angsty like Josh. <laughs> Raw. Yeah. 
I don't know. Do you think Brandon decided to be Josh's VP before he saw Claire or after he saw Claire? Before. Mm, Yeah. Because he has to have some political thing for her to threaten. (laughs) Good point. That's fair. That's totally fair. But like in the season finale, he told Brenda he didn't have political aspirations. I think it's like, I mean, this is going to sound really Brandon Haiti, and I'm sorry, but not sorry. I think he just wants attention. Like, he went this whole episode seeing, all right, Donna's a debutante, which we'll get to. Valerie's here and getting Steve's attention. Dylan's back, and oh, I forgot, he's an alcoholic. Why is nobody paying attention to me besides Kelly? <laughs> who is also a little bit tuned into Dylan. But, like, I feel like that's what Brandon's storylines feel like. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he needs something. I think the problem is, is, like, we didn't really get to see the courtship of Brandon and Kelly. Like, we went straight into full-on I love you, I love you too relationship. And... We usually see that with his girlfriends. Like, they go zero to 180 or, like, 100 in, like, such a short amount of time. So he always has to have these other little side things that become the main thing. Well, and I think if you think of other shows, like, Corey and Topanga with Boy Meets World, like, you know, we saw them not be friends. We saw them, like, kind of lead up to it. But it does feel like it went pretty fast into Corey and Topanga versus Corey and then Topanga over here. Mm-hmm. But then, like, Corey didn't have to always have something. That's true. They didn't have to shove something into Corey's storyline. That's very true, actually, now that you say that. I mean, we get an entire episode about how mediocre Corey is. <laughs> I have not watched the whole thing of Boy Meets World since I got it all on DVD years ago, but I would argue there are several episodes about how mediocre Corey is. <laughs> I mean, peak. Peak mediocre Corey is when he was standing in his bedroom. He says, I mean, there's nothing about me that sets me apart. And he's standing next to a poster of celery. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I just, yeah, you're so right. And he was still extremely interesting. I just, I mean, he sucked, but like he was still interesting. (laughs) But the thing is, like, every time we talk about shows that came after 90210, I always have to be like, but 90210 is the reason that happened. That's true. That's a good point. You wouldn't have, like, I would put money on the fact that you would not have the Disney Channel without 90210. That's that's high praise. Very specifically, like, Boy Meets World, Lizzie McGuire, that's Mm -hmm. like, those kind of shows. Like, you might still have... Uh, bear in the big blue was that disney i think so bear one i don't know i didn't know the children ones but like maybe you have those but you don't have smart guy and all that of the future i didn't watch that one but yes what you didn't watch it I think that might be, like, the only one I missed. That one was so good. It had Allie from Allie and AJ in it. Yes, girl, yes. Let Before me tell you. she was an easy A. 
which I watched finally for the first time recently. I don't know if I told y'all. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Did you love it? I loved it so much. Like I wasn't expecting to, but I I really, really, really liked it. You never it's saw so it until good. now? I know. I, I wait like I didn't see it till I was 30. It came out when I was like what, like 18, 19? Something like that. Like honestly and truly, that might be one of my favorite like rom com movies ever. I quote it, it so much. Like I promise uh, that's where I learned about Penn Badgley. Yeah. Well, I watched Gossip Girl, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Easy A came out 10 years ago. Oh, wow. okay. So we were like 21. Oh my God. 2010. I'm trying to find okay. a release date. Hold on. Just vamp. Yeah. We right. Babies. But snip. September 17th, 2010. I literally just turned 20. Yeah. That was like, because that was right before Amanda Bynes went through all of her shit. So that was kind of like the oh, last yeah. thing that she was really in. Um, If you recall, the guy, why can't I remember his name? The one that gave Lisa Kudrow crabs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was in Twilight movies. Shut up. Who was he? The one that you could see the six pack really well. I can't remember his James. name. James. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's him. Yep. Oh my. You're right. Holy shit. Yep. <laughs> Mary, what else happened this week? So the bank apparently gave a whole bunch more of Dylan's money to criminals, so he yells at the guy who works there. Apparently, he still has access to some money, and this spiral has much more to do with the loss of the people he thought were his family. We learn Dylan hasn't told anyone what's happened to him. When Donna asks him for a donation for her gala thing, he just gives it to her. Dylan goes to the peach pit where Jim and Cindy are eating because they're Jim and Cindy and they do that. Anyway, Dylan assumes, kind of correctly, that they're whispering about him, so he tells them they're not welcome in his restaurant anymore. Nat's like, no, no, and tries to make Dylan talk to him. Nat unwittingly spills the beans about Brandon and Kelly. Dylan arrives at Donna's fancy party where Brelly happened to be kissing. Dylan causes a scene before going to Jesse's bar. He orders a drink and Jesse won't give it to him. So this curly blonde lady's like, it's okay, I'll buy it and hands it to him. And Jesse's like, that's not how that works. <laughs> Jesse's manager's like, do we have a problem? And Blonde, who we come to know by Eberly, is like, come on, there's better places for me to get you underage drunk. That place is Dylan's house. Kelly shows up there later to apologize, and Dylan implies she only came over to bang, when in reality, Kelly knows he's relapsing and wants to help him. The next morning, Brandon is back helping Dylan clean up his house and apologizing for not telling him the truth about him and Kelly. Also, he tells Dylan he needs to apologize to Kelly because he was a dick. Dylan goes to the beach house, but Kelly isn't there. He has what appears to be a meaningful talk with Donna and says he'll meet her at registration. Instead, he goes to that pool hall he used to hang out at in high school. Sigh. Well, oh. At least we get a little bit more backstory, I guess, into what happened, but we still don't, like, get a ton of details. So, okay, it seems to me, and correct me if I totally misread these first couple scenes of the bank, but it seems to me like Kevin and Suzanne totally wiped out Dylan's cash supply. Mm-hmm. 
it seems like presumably Jim acting as his, you know, in a fiduciary manner, invested $8 million into something. It hit the end of its life after Suzanne and Kevin stole all of his money and rolled back over into whatever it was invested in. And so Dylan is still a millionaire. He just can't touch that $8 million. I think you're right. I just didn't fully understand it. Like all I wrote down was like, he has no money in the bank and $8 million of his assets was transferred and reinvested. So that to me screams like highly penalized or highly taxed money that he can't take out until he's like old. Yeah, which, like, my next note was like, man, where's Jim Walsh when you need him? Oh, he's fired. Mm-hmm. Well, because and he has a savings bond that he could tap into, but it also apparently has a, a big penalty. Not sure what it would be. Well, and it's it's probably the same thing of, like, I'm giving you $100,000. I'm not going to touch it so that you know you have $100,000 sitting in there if I call it back. 30% penalty, something like that. Hmm. But Dylan being hungover, angry, miserable, blah, 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 doesn't give a shit and is like, you're going to pull it out. I'm going to pay the penalty and you're going to give me my cash. Right. And then he goes outside where Donna is with her mother. I didn't expect to see Felice ever again in my life. This is our second of four characters to have appeared. Or third, sorry, third of four characters to have appeared where they previously had character arcs. We have so far to recap, Josh Richland, Claire Arnold, and now Felice Martin. I legitimately expected Felice to just be pulling money out of the ATM and then we'd never see her again. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, not even kidding. Go back to Houston. But yeah, she is staying there. She and Donna end up striking a conversation with Dylan where Donna mentioned she's a debutante. She's debuting this year. And they talk about this event that they're having that night and, you know, people are buying tables and Dylan, I guess, has not told anyone that anyone has stolen his money, that he got fleeced for everything. Donna still thinks that he is invested in Kevin's business and he decides to buy a table, which Felice thinks is too generous. And then we find out that a table is $2,500, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, considering the cast of characters we have, I was expecting 10000 Oh, yeah. That's fair. I, yeah, I, I had a couple of, like, questions at this scene. Um, number one, isn't Donna a little old to be debuting? Cause for Pretty all, sure she is. Yeah, for all I'm aware of is Gilmore Girls, where you debut at 16. Um, I did Cotillion at 14. Okay. So... Yeah, seem, tw 1920 seems a bit old. Um, I guess she's 19 still because her birthday's on Christmas. Um, yeah, okay. And then second question, with what money? I guess Dylan is pledging with the savings bond he presumably takes out with the heavy penalty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the next time we see Dylan after he has committed this $2,500 – is when Brandon goes to see him and he's like drinking beer and talking about Kelly and blah, blah, blah. Like we talked about this with Brandon. Mm -hmm. And then we don't see him again until 
like Mary mentioned, he goes to the peach pit. Yep. Which, can we talk about how Nat had a real scene for the yeah. first time in months? And it was, like, a good one, too, because obviously beyond just the fact that Nat and Dylan are business partners, Nat's known this guy for presumably at least years. four years at this point. Gotta and be more. It's gotta be more. And, and, I mean, Dylan gets a cup of coffee there, like, every single day. And so he genuinely cares about Dylan and his well-being. So it was very, like... It was very it was a very good scene because it, it was relevant to the storyline. It was more than just an off like one off line and it made sense for the character to do it. Yeah, cuz like Dylan comes in, he yells at Jim and Cindy, he goes to leave. Nat knows Jim and Cindy from existing and then also Brandon and also Dylan comes out and yells at him. And that's when he kind of, like, blows up Kelly and Brandon's spot and is just like, you can't be mad because they're together now. Right. I think he says something like, you can't be mad because Kelly's with Brandon. Like, literally, like, spells it out for him. And he's just like, the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I, my note is intense guitars. (laughs) That's all. Which is true. Because then he shows the Bicatillion when, or, you know, this debutante thing where Kelly and Brandon are like at the very beginning of making out and he makes it horribly uncomfortable. Then he throws himself down at a table, cowboy boots up on the table. He's making loud noises, clattering the china, drinking wine out of the bottle, making a huge scene. And he even makes this comment of, like, my best friend and my best girl, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and then calls him Blondie and the Boy Scout, which is, oh, like, and great band name, I call it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're blonde, you just need a Boy Scout. Exactly. Me and Nate. <laughs> oh, my God. It's perfect. <laughs> but then he is an absolute asshole. And he's like, well, I hope it's not a, just a physical thing because Kelly's not into that anymore. Right, which I was like, damn, like that, that's a harmful blow right there. That's mean. That is straight up, like, trying to hurt her feelings. Yep. I thought it was weird that, like, was it Valerie that was like, that's uh, Brandon's, that's Brenda's Dylan, and is it Steve that says Kelly's Dylan? No. No, so Steve... First says, etiquette was never Dylan's strong suit, which is the first time she hears Dylan's name. Right. Then she says, that's Brenda's Dylan. And then Donna, like, breezes past and goes, Kelly's Dylan. Right. Which I was like, damn, Donna, you you sure picked a side real quick. (laughs) That was emotional. Yeah. And, yeah, like, that essentially leads to – you know, the culmination of this where Dylan stands up, he picks up the bottle of wine and drinks out of it and leaves. And then the next thing you see is Jesse working at Doheny's and Dylan shows up, orders a drink from someone else who serves him. And then Jesse's like, I got this and takes it back out of Dylan's hand. And like what's kind of sad is right when Dylan shows up and like in between him ordering the drink 
and getting the drink, he and Jesse have just like a cute little rapport. You know, it, it actually seems like Jesse's like blending well with the friend group, but then it all kind of sucks when he gets the drink and Jesse has to like be like, nah, dude, I could get fired if I let you drink that. So plus I know you're an alcoholic, so I can't do that. Which is honestly like also Jesse integrating with the friend group of being like, I know you, I know what your problem is. Like mm-hmm. I I need to help you here and I'm gonna take this rather than you know, do my job as a bartender and alert people yeah. of what's happening. Totally. And yeah, it's this whole back and forth with this blonde woman who we find out is Eberly. She and Dylan end up going back to his house. Kelly goes over there later in the night to talk to him. And he opens the door and she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I think this is called a relapse. Yeah, which I guess at least he's self-aware. But he... It's painful. Yeah, it's very painful. And then he proceeds to do a body shot on Eberly. And then says something like, like Kelly's like, I can't believe I came here to apologize to you. And Dylan's like, not after two years of psych classes. And then basically accuses her of wanting to sleep with him because it's so late. It's 2 a.m. Which, like, to give the writers credit, is it? it feels like the right thing for Dylan to say. Yeah. yeah, totally. I mean that he when he's insecure, he he doesn't care who he hurts. Like he just pushes people away. Like when he is Yeah, and like the whole when thing his dad of like, died, oh, what were we doing before you got here? Body shots. Yep. Exactly. It's like anytime he has to go through something traumatic, he pushes people away. Yeah, and again, like kind of true to form Kelly leaves unfortunately lets him do what he's doing through the night but then the next thing we see is like nobody is involved Cindy being like oh Brandon got a call from Kelly this morning and ran out the door Mm -hmm. and you see Brandon like I let myself into your house everything's not good get up I'll meet you outside yep and yeah, this is where, you know, Brandon confronts him is like, you need to apologize to Kelly. You're a shitty person. Bad things have happened. And Dylan goes to the beach apartment where Kelly is not there. And that's where he runs into Donna, which I feel like we'll get to when we talk about Donna. But basically, they have a really cute moment. And then Dylan throws it all away by promising to be somewhere and instead going out drinking. Mm-hmm. So I don't think this is Dylan's rock bottom. No, I think Dylan has a long way to go for rock bottom, which is kind of insane because he's had all his money stolen from him and he's drinking again. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, we we end on a pretty low Dylan note. Things so. are not coming up Dylan right now. Mary... <clears throat> What else happened this week? Donna's not going to school this semester because she decided she wants to debut in society or however you say that. Really, she just wants to hide out on her mom's party circuit and not see David. 
Also, she's moving out, but don't worry. Felice is on the hunt for a replacement roommate for Kelly, and she'll help pay the rent until she finds one. Kelly sees right through Donna, but Donna says she just really likes Texas and hanging out with her mom and dressing up like a princess and going to the ball, Kelly. God. Deshawn <laughs> confronts Donna after she and Kelly fight at her fancy society fundraising gala thing. They share a dance, and Donna's parents make racist eye contact. Oh, also, Donna brought this guy from Texas named Travis Farnham, and his accent is on the list of accents in the show that are hilariously bad. <laughs> Actor who plays Travis, if you are from Texas, I'm sorry, and I will admit I was wrong, but you'll have to prove that that's your real voice. <laughs> Back to Donna's horrible mother. Felice basically tells Donna she needs to associate with the right people because society has their eye on her or something. Donna's like, fuck that. And she goes back to school. She runs into David there, who's like, so you forgive me, right? And she's like, no, stupid. It's a big school and I better not see you. <laughs> and also, hashtag retroactively make Deshauna a thing. Okay, I feel like they're playing with us, with Deshauna. Ugh, I know. But also, he is character number four that has returned. And I... Love him so much. I am so glad. Like, when he showed up with the basketball team at this debutante ball, I was like, okay, Deshaun. I know. He was so good looking, and he showed up at the right time. He sh he really knew when to show up. He really did. Like, I do feel like they used him for a plot point, but it was a good plot point. Totally. you know – Long story short, at the beginning, like, Donna has been gone in Texas this whole time. Apparently, she has learned about this idea of debutantes and, like, you know, Donna decides she wants to be a debutante. She wants to debut in Houston. And because of that, she makes this grand sweeping announcement that she is dropping out of school. But only for the semester. I think my problem was that she didn't immediately tell people why. Because, like, everybody was just so quick to assume it was because of David. Yeah, I mean, even Kelly assumes that. And we have that whole scene where Kelly calls, where she talks about Buffy Moneymaker. <laughs> and this whole thing. And then the next scene where the whole sandwich thing happens. Kelly says what at least I was thinking is that Donna has joined a cult. It's like Donna's joined a cult or something. I wish it had been. <laughs> I mean, basically. Let's be honest. Yeah. And Kelly thinks it's about David and that Donna will leave L.A. so that she doesn't have to see him, which, like, I got really mad about. And then when they kind of proved me right later in this episode, I got really mad about it. Yeah. I just don't – I don't think the writers are giving the character they created enough credit. Like, I don't know if that makes the sense. The female character? Well, yeah. But it's like Donna's I, stronger than that? No, I agree. I think Donna has proven to be more intuitive and, like, into her own emotional health. Mm -hmm. that this made me mad like you know she 
throughout the course of the episode, like we see her run into David and she's like really chill about it. Like, and I mean like cool. She's like, oh, hi, David. Mm -hmm. Like not like relaxed. And, you know, Travis is a know nothing character who is like, oh my God, did I say something wrong? And then proceeds to invite David to like sit down and have a meal with them, which bruh, like you're also, new here. Sit Don- down. Also, Donna should have been over David the second he doled all his coins on the ground. Odd okay. Did you <laughs> see his shirt? Oh, I did at the time, but now I don't remember. It was mass it was that like super nineties look of like it was clearly oversized, but also built for a very tiny person. So oh, like no. his his short sleeves came all the way down past his elbows. Like it was n- <laughs> there there are few looks in the nineties that I am not all about. Like jelly sandals, love. High waisted, like mom jeans, love. This t shirt, hate. I hate to say it, and I really don't want to be insensitive, but, like, I feel like they're trying to, like, make David black. Honestly, I don't think you're wrong. Because think about it. He raps, he dances, he wears similar clothing to what you would think of as the like, as somebody who raps and dances, but is black. Well, and, like, think about everything that happens, like, if you go to very specific clubs now that have dress codes. Yeah. They say, like, you can't wear oversized clothing. Right. Like, I I think this is a lot of the insensitivity that comes with this show, because Deshaun in this episode is a plot point. Right. And I think quite literally you like compare Deshaun and his tux in this episode to David and his long t-shirt baggy pants, blah, blah, blah. And then swap them. And like, that is the expected. Right. And David's, hair which looks like it could eventually be dreads david's hair is just it's stupid it made me mad like dave honestly i i saw this whole thing of like you put david against anybody else that donna is expected to be with in this episode travis or our choice deshaun and he loses out not a question like i yeah it makes no sense. She is so hung up on him when you see the other men that are vying for her attention. I literally would have definitely chosen Travis over David. And I don't know Travis. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel so bad about Travis. Like, I just ignore him compared to Deshaun. Because literally, like, my next notes with the Donna thing is about Deshaun and Sean coming over to the table and being like, I've never heard of a Texas dip. And then them making her show a Texas dip, which is like a little sexist in my mind of being like, just show us, honey. Just go do it. Yeah. It was almost like the version of like smile, but like a Texas stupid dip. Like also which, like it felt very like black swanee too. 
It was weird. And like when she got all the way down, I was like, her boobs are like really, I'm, yeah. I'm nervous. Yep. And then, like, there are several, like, kind of cringy moments where they talk about how Deshaun is on the basketball team, and then Brandon's like, oh, he is the basketball team. Mm-hmm. And then very specifically where Dr. Martin makes the comment about how universal health care is great, but it would raise taxes. Oh, my gosh. And that's California, too. Like, but he's a Texas guy. Well, that's true. That's true. There was a lot of cringy moments like that. And then also like a little bit later when Donna's in the bathroom with Kelly and Kelly's so pissed about this whole debut thing. And she's like, I mean, you are moving 2000 miles across the country to learn how to curtsy. Kelly, like, okay, I am not the, you know, debutante debut, blah, blah, blah. Like that is not the Southern culture that I grew up with. But that is very diminutive and like yeah that is hurting your friend and i know she's like oh my god she's in a cult i need to snap her out of it but like that's mean it's just not a way to convince your friend to not do it like you need to know more information here (laughs) and you should know about this person who has been your friend for longer than this show has been Mm -hmm. on and like Donna storms off, and even Deshaun, who has known her for one season max, like not even a full season, notices that she's upset. He goes over, cracks a joke. He makes her smile. They're talking. I ship them hard. He literally says he's the charter member of her fan club. He... Is my favorite character. And then, oh my God, when Travis is like, I'm going to put on this special song for us. And then Donna (laughs) and Deshaun dance to it. I know. I hate that they didn't let them be a couple. I'm so mad. They just keep dangling it in front of us. I'm just like, stop. I guess on the bright side, we have uh, Black Lightning to look forward to. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. He was... Not a great, I mean, he was a great character, but he was the character was not great in um, Friday Night Lights. But everything else I've seen him in, he's been fantastic. Well, I've never seen Friday Night Lights, so I guess we have to have a podcast about it. Um, I would in a heartbeat. I love that show. The pilot alone, but seriously, that pilot of Friday Night Lights might be one of the single best pilots of television. Period. Full stop. Did y'all notice? The fake skyline that they put in that room. No. Oh my gosh. I I can't prove it truly. But if you go back and watch the episode and you're in that room where, you know, they're eating, they're dancing, blah, 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 blah. I swear to God, the windows are fake. <laughs> Amazing. Is I this like put- Our new boom mic. (laughs) I would put money on this fact. Truly. Like, call the producer. I'm betting. Yeah. That's hilarious. Because it was distracting. It was truly distracting up until the point that Dylan shows up. Ah. Okay, so I don't know how I missed it then. Yeah, because it's right behind Kelly and Brandon when they start making out and Dylan shows up. Oh, boy. 
And then, yeah, the whole thing happens. That's Brenda's Dylan, Kelly's Dylan. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, Donna kind of falls off to the wayside for a little while until we get back to her house. And Felice is making tea, and she and Donna are talking. And Felice makes all these comments about how she hates her friends, and Kelly can't control her impulses. And then she mentions that Donna made a spectacle of herself dancing with that, and I put in quotes, basketball player. Ugh. Everything about that conversation made me uncomfortable, and I got a very, um, what's the kind of word I want to use or character I want to use, but like a vibe from Felice that she is a horror film mother. Like she literally like, like her form of punishment for Donna would be like locking her, you know, like chaining her up somewhere and depriving her of something. I don't know what, but you know what? Like it was very sinister is the word I want to use because not only was she racist, blatantly racist, blatantly, she, she like completely shit on all of her friends, but then she acts like she's going to punish Donna for her quote unquote behavior. Yeah, and I mean, like, Donna tries to fight it to be like, well, it shouldn't be offensive if I dance with a black man. Mm-hmm. And Felice says, like, well, it's our problem. And calls her naive, too. No, it's just, it is infuriating. And I know it's meant to be infuriating, but, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. It feels like they made Deshaun a plot point. And, like, he doesn't even show up in the rest of the episode. And mm-hmm. this is what makes Donna decide to not debut again and move back into the beach apartment and go to registration and not drop out of school. And, like, I got to be honest, they wrapped up this whole, I'm dropping out of school for the semester. Just kidding. I'm not so fast. And then just threw in, like, it's because mom's racist. Which I guess good on Donna for getting away from that situation, distancing herself from not only the debutante thing, but also her racist mother, like Mm -hmm. good on her for that. But yeah, it wrapped up a little too quickly and maybe like, I'm just, you know, silver lining this, but maybe that was like enough for Donna to be like, no, screw this. This is not important. If you're going to be racist about a really good friend of mine or just in general, I am not going to be anywhere near that. Which I totally appreciate. I'm totally on board with. It just felt like it, you know, buttoned up real fast. And even saying that, like, I appreciate Dylan kind of showing up at the beach apartment to apologize to Kelly and finding Donna and being like, oh, I need to apologize to you. Mm -hmm. And then them having their whole conversation because I got to be honest, I really love Dylan being like David Silver. You're wrapped up about David Silver. Skinny David Silver. I know. Dylan is saying what we're all, what we've been saying for a while. <laughs> I know. <sighs> yeah, that that was the problem. I think they could have just left it at she didn't want to debut. She didn't want to be around her racist mother. Like, they didn't have to make it about David. They really didn't. And David played, like, zero role yeah. in all of this. But And that's the thing is, like, 
you know, Donna talks to Dylan and is like, hey, I can show up at registration if you show up at registration. So he says he'll meet her there. Obviously, he doesn't. But then on campus, Donna ends up running into David and he makes this whole comment of like, oh, you didn't drop out. So you clearly forgive me. Like, no, that's not how this works. Like to quote Jesse, that's not how this works. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, literally, she's just like, no, I don't forgive you. And then goes over to talk to Kelly, talk about how they're going to live together in the beach apartment. She's enrolling in classes. Everything is done. She's not debuting, blah, blah, blah. End of episode. Yep. I got to be honest. I love this episode. Oh, it was a great episode. It ended weirdly just with the whole pool hall thing, but like it was a good episode. It's it's got some things moving and shaking. We're getting we're I feel like we're hitting the ground running with this season, whereas maybe in past seasons we've kind of taken a minute to figure out what's going on. Right. Like I still think last episode felt kind of weird, but like this episode, I feel like hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. They mentioned Brenda at least four times, which I feel like is the right amount of Brenda mentions. Yep. And like, yeah, literally everybody but Steve got plot development. Steve yelled at his dad about golf, whatever. Who cares? Was angry that Valerie didn't want to dance with him and then she danced with him. Like, <laughs> Yeah, no, like no one cares about Steve, but everybody else, we're good. Yep. yep. I wish the debutante thing had carried on a little farther just for the sake of it to give some sort of like Kelly and Donna, like let's do some stuff, but whatever. At but least we're moving forward. At least we're moving forward. And I feel like I have a really good contender for quote of the week this week and i'm really excited hit me it was at the the debutante thing when dylan shows up and steve goes etiquette was never dylan's strong suit and then valerie goes that's brenda's dylan and then my quote of the week is when donna just like slides past it goes kelly's dylan (laughs) love it all right what you got mary i have three options Nice. The first one is paraphrased, and I know this isn't it, but you're not welcome here. Enjoy your meal, Dylan McKay. An iconic line from Brandon that was buried in a whole bunch of drama. I was wrong. Brandon Walsh. (laughs) (laughs) And my absolute favorite is when Deshaun was comforting Donna, he says... You know you're special even when you don't sparkle. Oh, and that just warmed my heart. So that that was my favorite one. Man, that's great. I didn't write that one down because I was so enamored with the fact that he said that he was the charter member of her fan club, but like that was equally if not more special because he he kept going, right? He, it wasn't a one-off. He like truly meant it. Oh, that's so good. I wish I would pick that. I love him. I love Deshaun. Love Deshaun. Um, so none of those were my Oh no. But it's okay because it happened in the very beginning of the episode, and I still think you guys are gonna like it. It was when our quite frankly, episode hero <laughs> swoops in and says, 
Hey, Brandon, smart move losing the beard. <laughs> Jesse. I love Jesse. I swear to God, they touch Jesse, I will riot. Yeah, they make him the literal hero of this episode because he tells Brandon what everyone's thinking about his stupid face hair. And then he saves Dylan and saves his job and is like truly a um, an upstanding guy by following the rules and, and also like indirectly helping his friend, even though he still got drunk outside of it, but he still did the right thing. What does Dylan say? Like, that's what you get with a bartender who's a law student? Yeah, like a like a bartender like plus that. a lawyer or something like that. It's like Dylan, he's not a cop. <laughs> he's what you but he's I, who you call when you get in trouble. Yeah, like do you do you know the checks and balances, what the different branches of government are? He just makes the laws. <laughs> Jesse is gonna be so busy with this oh, group of friends. So busy. He's like, Steve, you can't it. steal things. <laughs> Dylan, I said no drinking. <laughs> one job. Literally, that's it. Brandon, one more DUI and you're out of here. <laughs> Brandon, stop sleeping with everyone. <laughs> uh, Kelly and Donna, you're perfect. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Donna, I love you. Never change. Yeah. Kelly, my sweet baby angel. <laughs> you just get wrapped up with the wrong man. Oh. I miss Brenda. Oh, I miss same. Brenda. I'm serious. Like, there has to be at least four mentions. Every episode has Brenda's, to. Brenda's closet. Brenda calling and asking about Dylan. Kelly feeling uncomfortable because of the Brenda triangle. Like, that's three off the top of my head. There's a lot of Brenda commentary, and let's keep it going. Brenda's Dylan. Mm-hmm. There you go. Remember when we used to keep tallies for Dylan mentions? We need to do this for Brenda. Oh, we so yeah. do. Like, how many for times did they bring her up in go. season two or season five? Why do I keep saying season two? <laughs> <laughs> because the last four seasons were just Brenda season one. Mm-hmm. So true. Act one of the Brenda Walsh story. Um. So I had a moment of the week this week. And uh, this week it was... Kelly and Donna talking in the bathroom, and at the top of the shot, we got our first boom mic of season five. <gasps> Mr. Shut boom. up. Oh, my God. I missed him. He was like, guys, you really think I'd miss this debutante ball? <laughs> Boomy. Five, fifth actor who came back <laughs> for season five. Yes. This episode was the one where all the previous characters come back. Oh my god, I can't believe I missed him. He should have gotten the special appearance credit. <laughs> special appearance by we changed our aspect ratio. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so oh my good. gosh. I've missed him. We haven't seen him in so long. We haven't. Well, will he show up next week? We will find out in episode five. I'm sorry. Season five, <laughs> episode three, a clean slate. All right, I'm ready for it. We will see if that means Dylan, David, and Donna. I don't know who Kelly else has Brandon. Drama. Yeah, Kelly and Brandon, Steve, Claire. 
<laughs> Never Claire. Yeah, she always got a dirty slate. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> but you'll find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at back to podcast. Shoot us over an email of any thoughts of anytime you saw Mr. Boom, or if you think that background was a fake background uh, at the gala. But you can do that at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And real quick, I do want to shout out Brian for saying if he thought season four was soapy, season five is going to be off the walls. Because I am so ready. It's already lived up to that hype. So Brian, thank you for letting us know ahead of time so we could properly prepare. (laughs) I'm so excited. Like we are going to get to it and it's going to be the greatest thing I've ever experienced. So yeah, don't forget, you can, yeah, send us those emails. You can rate, review, subscribe, everything in your podcast app. If you leave us a review, we'll shout you out on the podcast. Just like we did for our pal, Brian. Love you, Brian. (laughs) And so from all of us at Back to Podcast, I am all of the coins that David threw on the ground. (laughs) I'm Buffy Moneymaker. I'm Hannah with an H, Zuckerman Vasquez with a Z. Bye. Bye. See ya.